Vision Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbrunt on Twitter, and I'm here with uh, Vic Rodriguez, the 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 immortal uh, Victor Rodriguez. I don't know. Do you do you go so? You're Victor here, right? And and our, they can't see you here uh, in, in the recording studio. You are you are Victor. Uh, recording studio is very it's a very fun euphemism. Uh, the the website that I'm using as recording studio. Uh, you are listed as Victor. Your at is Vic. Yeah. Um, which which are you? Are you Victor or Vic, or do you go by? Is it is it uh, fairly interchangeable? I contain multitudes, Trevor. Immortality ah. takes many forms, as Liam Neeson told us in the worst uh, of the Nolan films. But yeah, uh, I, I, I either way is fine, man. I'm good as long as you don't call me an asshole. I mean, uh, and, no, that and, was not a, and, that was not in the plan. And if yeah. you do, I mean, fair. I can't be too mad, so we're good. <laughs> Well, uh, people might know you if, if you aren't following. Go follow Vic at Vic M. Rodriguez uh, on, tw- on Twitter. Uh, but people may know you from your your combat sports writing, uh, which I always I always like because I don't understand um, combat sports. So reading your stuff helps me. Well, um, yeah, don't don't. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Don't feel too bad about that because the longer you follow this, the less sense it makes too. So it, there's <laughs> there's like a weird fluctuation point like this. Like you're stepping into the uh, the the hazy cloudland from annihilation. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is weird. Like I, I I try to kind of understand the basic appeal, right? Like I I remember watching. A, uh, a boxing match. I probably have told this story in the podcast before, but with with my friend's grandfather, I, I don't remember who was who was fighting. Uh, it wasn't like a particularly notable one, but um, it was the only match I really sat down with someone and watched. And he explained what was going on and like sort of pointed out like you know why uppercuts are used, the sort of rotation of the head, why it makes them unconscious, and it was really interesting to watch that way with someone sort of explaining sort of the, uh, the, the blow by blow to you and like why they're doing what they're doing. I can't even imagine how someone would do that in an MMA fight. Like it's so fast. Yeah. And and you also have the fact that like an example I frequently like to use is how it's easier for people to get engaged with boxing than it is with mixed martial arts or professional grappling or, you know, things on that scale, because everyone even accidentally has been hit in the head or the face. You know, you've mm-hmm. had something yep. fall on your head. You know how unpleasant that feels. Anyone can understand that getting struck by another person in the head, in the face. Like, yeah, we, we all have in some, no, no, to an unfortunate degree, uh, <laughs> right? Because these, this could be either a love tap or something more severe. But you can all understand that. Everybody gets that. When it comes to actually having someone grab your wrist and manipulate your arm to a point where it starts damaging your shoulder ligaments, not many people understand that. There's no universality. Oh, so painful. And it, believe me, it's not fun. <laughs> so I'm gonna guess it's not fun. Oh. Yeah, that sounds like something I would. I would immediately be like, okay, I, I give up on this sport. I don't want to do it yeah, anymore. No, being on the receiving end of any of this stuff is not great. But um, as 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 you may understand, like that does. It, thing with combat sports in general, not very beginner or entry level friendly for your own. You know, if you're just doing this by mm. yourself, generally you might need someone to, you know, you walk in and there's a boxing match on and then someone's willing to, you know, offer as your friend did a bit of an explanation as to what happens here beyond just two guys punching each other. Right. It's referred to as sweet science for very good reason. Uh, mm. When you expand that into things like kickboxing and Muay Thai or when you include uh, grappling into it, like, yeah, it's going to be a little dense and I don't. You know, I, I understand some combat sports fans are a little, uh, not necessarily resentful, but sometimes it's like, man, I don't know why more people aren't into this. I don't get how this person, look, man, 
Some people are just squeamish the moment somebody gets hit. And I, I understand yep. that completely. So I don't judge. Yeah, that that's that's my wife. She she is into sports more and more, uh, but will never watch combat sports because like just watching someone get hit is like I immediate out. And that's um, and that's it's a perfectly normal human thing to because, look, we a lot of us try to avoid conflict at any turn. And that's seeing that so vividly on a on a on a platform it's a very different thing um although i do think there is something pretty funny about what i've referred to for years as a very american phenomenon which is you'll see a fight at a baseball game you know the dugouts get cleared and everybody's beating the hell out of each other that gets put on sports center replayed over and yep. over for a week and a half but a lot of people will cheer that on but the moment it comes to trained professionals striking each other oh that's too much and i'm always curious about that like when it's a sideshow that's not supposed to happen in another sport i've i've caught a lot of flack for this in the past for uh doing a lot of shit posting about hockey fights and and my belief in how <laughs> dumb i feel them to be and i've got a lot of people try to explain and rationalize like no 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 this is good it's sometimes you know the players got to keep each other in line i'm like so the referees that are not doing anything to keep the players in line will also oversee the fights amongst themselves to keep each other in line. You know, the fights are so funny to me because, like, it. I, I like I like baseball and football fights yeah. more because they're they're just like they explode out of the normal thing, and it's just like it's kind of silly because you know never more than like one or two punches get let off, if that. Right. And it's mostly just guys kind of like running up and saying like, "Hey," like yelling at each other and posturing. Um, Hockey fights are so weird to me because, like, you're right. Like, the referee oversees the fight where you can, you know, drop gloves and punch a guy, but it's high-sticking is a, is a penalty later. It's like, well, this just, like, it feels like you are, you are accepting that this is a violent environment for sports, but you don't want violence in your sport. I, very, very odd. Yeah, I mean, I just, it's, I guess it's the pretense and, and the, the the sort of rationalization that I find uncomfortable because it's like, okay, this is acceptable here. Well, why is it acceptable? I don't want my, I don't want my kid playing a sport where like, oh, you're also going to have fights out here. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. They're not supposed to happen. That's mm -hmm. the part that gets me because Again, it's like, number one, these fights generally are horrible. And don't even get me started on basketball fights. I wrote about the Draymond Green incident uh, just the other day. Oh, did you did you write about that? I, I didn't yeah, see that. Okay. I did, yeah. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. But it's And basketball players are the worst at this sort of thing. My God, their technique is horrible. They always punch ugly. <laughs> you know, they're athletes that are, that are training their whole lives for a certain set of athletic... Um, Movements and and right and not none of them are throwing none throwing of them punches. translate well to this. Maybe football kind of does. We've seen some football players get into uh, you know wrestling and, and and MMA and stuff like that. But sure, when it comes to elements like again with baseball, so why is it when it's not supposed to happen that this is good? I, I feel like that's sort of on its face a little weird but more than anything it's like look if you're gonna allow it if it's part of the thing make it official let's just not pretend that this is something we're gonna tut tut and frown upon yeah yeah i agree and i think like you know one of the things you bring up there that i find really interesting particularly in terms of combat sports right it's like it, it is it is it can be distasteful to, to see, right? Like, people don't necessarily like it. But on the other hand, like, the people who are fighting in MMA are fighting with, like, an intense level of technique and, and care and, and and you know, a, a sense of what will and won't, you know, permanently injure someone. And, like, of course, mistakes can be made. A professional wrestling, people get paralyzed, people die. Yeah. You know, it, it, it happens. But, like, that sort of risk is far less than the risk of, like, 
some, you know, baseball player throwing a haymaker and in doing so, like breaking his elbow and being out for the season or like giving someone a concussion that has their career or something. It feels like it feels like, you know, we're OK with violence, but not OK with technique based violence. And, and that that's a. It's not to shame anyone for not being okay with technique based based violence. It's to say like it's a little weird we're okay with the other one. Yeah. No, it, it is very and I and I again it's like it's a normal human instinct. I remember uh, UFC president Dana White years ago. He's like, you know, here's the thing about fighting. You see two guys fighting in the street. Everybody stops to see what's going on. No, that's not true. <laughs> a lot of people see that and go, oh no. no no no, I'm not sticking around for this. You know like. Something I'm getting out of something here. Something yeah. might spill on me. This might cause other people to start throwing punches. I I do not want to be a part of this. Someone might pull out a gun. Like you don't want to be there for that kind of shit. So you know, the, the, again, the 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 sort of kernel that sprouts from one small moment of violence. That's all people need to just be like, you know what, I'm out. And I again, that's that's perfectly fine and good. Well, I feel like I feel like especially on a subway, right? Like that that's kind of the that's kind of the er moment for me when you see violence and you want to just be like, I got to get out of this spot. Yeah. Like maybe on the street, people might I've, I've never actually seen a fight break out on the street, but I've seen fights in subways. And like usually they're in the car next to mine. And it's like, OK, I got to have a plan for if this spills into my car. Yeah. Like I do not want to be around this. Like I don't want to be here for this. And like I'm you know, I, I'm not squeamish, but you got to have self-preservation. I feel like. It is, you know, the it's the that old sort of probably like a military uh, like thing in origin, but that uh, that saying everyone has a plan until you're punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, that, like it, that was Mike Tyson. Oh, was that Mike Tyson? Okay, so, well, I believe so. Yes, essentially a military uh, <laughs> mind. Yeah, uh, actually, more accurate than you might think. We can get to that. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, like you know, it's it's true. Also, in terms of like you have a perception of what you would do. I had a buddy who I may have told this story before too, but like I had a buddy who we were in a band together. Um, a really good friend of mine. Like I had no no shade towards Nick, but like we were in a band together, and uh, he he's a lot he's a lot littler than me, and was at that time too. Um, maybe like I probably have like four or five inches on him height wise, and um, definitely you know good like hundred pounds, and, and it, like so we just had different body types. And he was pissed at me after a show because I, I said, like, we played badly. Um, and a couple of days later, he's like, man, you know, I just thought at that moment, I was so mad. I, I, I almost like I almost hit you, man. I almost like I just almost like attacked you. And I laughed. I was like, well, that would have been a really short fight, man. And he was like, he was like, you never know. I'm wily. I'm, I'm like, I'm tricky. <laughs> he's not wrong. And I was like, it is. It's like it's, it's both like it's. Yeah, he's not wrong, but he's not right. And like both of us had a, a perception of that. I don't know if like I could have just like knocked him down. He might have surprised me and I might have been fine. Mm. I also highly doubt that most people who say they're wily in a fight actually would be wily in a fight. I, I think once you get into a fight, something happens to your brain, and unless you've been there before, you don't know what it is. Okay, but what if he maybe might have been there before? You know what I mean? Like maybe he just like maybe he just even even purely secret fighter. Yeah, but like even if by pure accident he just manages to have like really proper punching technique. You know, he never trained it before; just his body, yeah, just yeah. boom. And then you know, one hit to the gut, to the liver, and you're like, "Ooh, wait, time out. I don't want any." Yeah, more I, I, yeah, I just got punched in the face. I don't have a plan anymore. No, you're right. Like it is, it's, it's a, it's a totally chaotic place. Which I think, like, I mean, that is what, that's certainly what's appealing about Tyson, right? Like, I think, I think anyone can understand on a certain level what was. If you look back at sort of the. 
when he was in like his prime, like what was appealing and interesting about Mike Tyson. Um, and I mean, you know, not a, not a, not a particularly good person. Lots of stuff there, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Obviously, not not defending that stuff, but like, or or you know, the stuff happened that I'm not sure. You know, I, he's complicated. If nothing very else, much, but the, yeah, very complicated. Uh, but it's just such a compelling figure because it's it's kind of just like this brick wall, and you end up asking yourself like, well, what happened if I was stuck up against that brick wall? Mm. Like, what what would I do? And you can't know. It's it's fascinating that way. I will admit, like the emotional and psychological elements of, of professional fighting are fascinating. And yet, the thing with Tyson is, is it's a, he's such a rarity in, in so many different ways, like. The ferocity that he displayed, the physical uh, abilities that he possessed, uh, his his technique, you know, people would just see him as some some brute. And to many, you know, in, in, in some ways, yeah, he kind of was. And he'll be the first one to admit it. Um, I don't want to, like, you know, polish the guy's reputation or, you know, give him too many props. But the thing is that people fail to understand that he's very different now as a person that he was in the past. Like you were mentioning military strategy. He's a Mike Tyson is a huge, huge dork for like military strategy of antiquity. You remember? Oh, really? Yeah. He's <laughs> like he actually I wish I could remember. I think it was um, uh, there was an interview with um, William Friedkin right after he passed away where they were talking oh, about okay. how surprised he was with somebody else about how much this man knew and understood about uh, the military in the past, even if it was in a certain way, like it was the infamous Tyson quote, uh, how much he loved Hannibal because, and I quote, he rode elephants into cartilage. Uh, <laughs> well, well, forgive him for that, but the point is... What a great, what a great uh, <laughs> it's, of that. It's very, it's very 90s Tyson. Uh, but that, that is uh, another thing, right? You never know who is going to be someone that's like book smart and can also fight or you know you you we, this is sort of like the common jujitsu meme and grappling circles where you see a dude like toby mcguire with the glasses at the beginning of the first spider-man movie and they're like <laughs> this guy's gonna put you out for six months after tearing your knees apart and it's like yeah, <laughs> it's gonna probably be a dude like that because now there's a different understanding of anatomy and technique and how to really do a, a different form of damage than what is expected because you don't have a guy who's just throwing wild punches you have a dude that's manipulating your joints and using leverage and shifting his weight and right. that can be very intimidating uh for someone who's starting off i mean i've seen this countless times training jiu-jitsu where they bring in someone for a free trial and they walk away like oh wow okay this not what i expected this is wild and makes sense yeah it's it's interesting like i i my daughter does uh karate um just like um uh, Shotokan karate and she she really likes it like she's she's good at it she's she's you know she's she's really working through it yeah yeah it's 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 really it's a we never put her in there for self-defense it's like it really was like okay like let's see if we can get her more coordinated because she's she's takes after me she has no coordination and like so you know we were like well maybe we can sort of like train her body a little bit and it, it's been good it's been good for a lot of different things it's a it's a really great practice but she you know a lot of people i've heard especially the the mothers of boys in the class saying things like well you know it's it's all essentially defensive techniques like the whole point of shotokan is like you don't ever throw the first punch basically yeah. and so there are offensive techniques but like mostly defensive and we and they don't spar particularly at her age because no, no. she's she's little um i mean not that little anymore but you know even nine or ten you don't spar yeah. uh not really but um you know the People are like, well, you know, I'm thinking of getting my kid into Krav Maga or MMA or, or jiu-jitsu or something like that. So maybe if there's like some problems with bullies or something, they have something they can do to like actively, actively defend themselves. And it's just like, it's like, I don't, 
I don't know if you really understand what you're getting yourself into there. <laughs> like, no, I feel like, no. I feel like once you start getting into that, you're not really going to teach them anything that's more useful than what they're learning in karate. You're just going to like, you're going to open them up to getting really hurt. Well, I mean, I guess that depends on a couple of things, primarily what discipline. Um, what I really like and love uh, most about the more um, what, what we consider more traditional styles here in the U.S., right, karate, taekwondo, is that you're giving your kids a level of structure that they don't necessarily have at school. It's mm. very rare to find anywhere else. It's not this sort of like harsh military, you know, you need to be here at this time and stand up straight and do this. Like, yeah, there's a little bit of the stand up straight stuff. There is the deference to authority within reason. Like, it. It it's kind of like the way that we taught, we get taught this kind of math that, uh, you know, you, you, we all remember being a snotty kid. This isn't going to help me in the future. No, yeah. but it helps you organize and have a certain structure and flow mentally. That's the thing that it's doing subconsciously that you're not realizing at the time. So when it comes to things like karate, Krav Maga, like fine, that's good. Kids doing judo is great because, you know, they recover so much faster than a grown up does. Yes, they do. Uh, Jiu-jitsu and judo, like, I would actually put them in a bit of a separate category because most importantly, look, something, let's say a kid, somebody does start to start a fight with them, right? You can mm -hmm. at least neutralize them a lot better without thinking, okay, now I have to hit him. You right. know, if you're grappling. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's kind of like where I feel, but that also, I, just big caveat there, that depends on the kid and how they're being taught as well, right? I mean, if you're taking them somewhere, hopefully it's going to be some place where you don't have a bunch of meatheads telling the kids, yeah, you got to elbow them. Like, that's so rare. That's not something that you really need to be too worried about. But let's just put that as a hypothetical, maybe sure. thing you got to worry about. Other than that, look, I, I got an eight-year-old son. I don't want him punching anybody. If you tell yeah. me, I get called in talking about, well, a fight started, but he took the other kid to the ground and just sort of sat on his chest a little bit till the grown-ups got there. I'm going to be a lot more relieved, you know, number one, yeah. you, you got to pay the other kids hospital bill, but also you, <laughs> you're showing the kids also showing something that is, you know, you, he's learning restraint. He's learning to protect yeah. himself in a certain way. So like there's, there's, there's sort of caveats there. And I, you know, I, I just wish more people would understand that, but I will say this, if you're, if you're a, a parent of a young child and you're considering doing something like that, by all means, I, I have no problem with you choosing whatever discipline you want. But if the first things you hear in a self-defense setting are not the words, run away if you can is your first option. If you don't hear that, yeah. pack up your shit and leave, man. That's the very first thing you want to hear in any reputable school because they're not always going to be able to outfight the other person. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, this is this is essentially the, the central core tenet of... of yeah, well, and why we stuck around was it was like, you know what? Like, your best your best offense is just to like, you know, show respect and walk away and try not to like, you know, you know, it's, it's extremely, you know, based for kids. Cause it's, you know, it's, it, we put her in a kid's class initially, but it's like, you know, no one wants to hit a person who's respectful. Um, no, if you, if you show respect and, 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 you know, have harmony in the world, you won't be attacked or hopefully you won't be attacked. And the whole point is don't get hit to the, you know, at first, which I mean, brings us back to MMA in a certain way where it's like, you think about those situations and you're like, gosh, those guys are so violent. And it's like, they, it's aggression in a very controlled space. This is not people who are just like taking folks out on the street. I mean, maybe, you know, there's probably some bad apples in every sport oh, that would like happily <laughs> beat a guy up on the street. Like, I don't, yeah, but it, it is aggression in a specific place. And I feel like 
you know, yeah, the octagon is like a horrifying, like ter- terrifying place to me. I would never want to be in it. But it's also like it is the place where you're like, OK, I respect the rules of this this place. I know if I break them, I'll be, you know, I'll be expelled. And we have a couple of agreements set down. Let's let's see what we can do in a contest. And that's like it's so different than um, than just like unchecked aggression. Like you can take on the world. Yeah, I mean, you, it's a very different situation when you have like a ref and a commission and like, you know, you have to now sort of take certain um items into consideration you know you can't poke the other guy in the eye you can't hit him in the groin that kind of thing whether it's in a ring or a cage that's that's going to be a, a different story but you go yep. for different things for different purposes like and i if i go to world star you know i i kind of get an idea what's going to happen it's probably going to be exciting <laughs> it's probably not it's probably going to be super boring or maybe you know something really uh my favorite sweet spots right where like two guys are throwing the ugliest punches ever and then one of them whips out like a a stuffed animal and starts putting it in the other guy's face well now like okay yeah that's the most random kind of now you're bringing in something extraneous it's weird it's dumb it's funny but you you know that when you're watching something in a more controlled environment, that's not what you're going to get. But still, the variables are so wide in certain, you know, when it comes to things like kickboxing, MMA, especially because you have much more freedom for movement and striking. Uh, that makes it very difficult to predict what can happen in a lot of cases. Sometimes you'll expect a really boring match and get the firefight of the year, and sometimes it's the other way around. And that's probably why when it comes to... Um, putting that and condensing it into a video game format, it's so difficult and the results usually not good. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Like it's, it's, it's interesting. Like thinking about this in, in, in relationship to, I mean, just like in relationship to a lot of different things, like I, in relationships to, uh, to gaming or to just like everyday life. I mean, this, the, the, the kind of veneer, I, I was just talking to, um, uh, Amber, who's who's uh, Bloodberry Tart, who does. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, 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 she's yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's she's great. Yeah, we were just chatting about um, streaming and like, you know, the way that the way that she portrays herself as a streamer and and then sort of professionalizes it and stuff like that. And it was really interesting hearing like about the technique and 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 how she managed that, like you know, expectations of viewers and you know all that stuff. And it, I think all like when you watch someone streaming. If they're doing it right, right, they they make it look like this could be a job anyone could have pretty easily, mm. right? Like, um, you could just you could absolutely just kind of be good at it if you enjoyed playing video games, and it's like, it's it's a it's a you jump in and immediately like you're flailing or something like that, right? Like you, you're not a professional, you know, Fortnite streamer just because you played it a couple of times. You're not going to be able to maintain a room full of like interested people. Just because you happen to have like a thing or two to say, um, and like I, I'm kind of fascinated by the way that you're bringing up this this uh, distinction between, um, yeah, the distinction between professionalism and amateurism in this way. Not to say amateurism in the sense of like lower leagues, but amateurism in in the sense of like I pick a fight with some guy because I don't like the way he's looking at my wife or whatever. Uh, <laughs> it, I mean, do you do you see that a lot in in professional fighting? Is it is it is this sort of like the the the, the reifying of this distinction? Or are, are there a lot of like upstarts that try and get into it that get knocked out fast? Is it are people generally pretty understanding of the level of commitment that it takes to get into this? Like how how serious is that within like professional fighting? 
All right. I, I got to start my answer off with a very simple, one of my favorite and most essential and important quotes with anything that's got to do with mixed martial arts. And it was from a former promoter by the name of Sam Kaplan. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, a former matchmaker and agent, I should say. Uh, he would say, and it still stands true to this day, that no other sport has a lower bar for entry than mixed martial arts. And I mean that in every capacity, whether it's anybody who can join a gym and sign up for a fight, whether it's the referees and the way that they're hired and the lower, uh, smaller regional shows, or some of the people that they hire on some of these athletic commissions, or even the media that cover it. There are a lot of people mm -hmm. out there that call themselves MMA, quote-unquote, journalists. And they're <laughs> just glorified fans, you know, I mean, which is something I have no problem fitting myself into. And I mean, the majority of my, uh, if you want to call it work, as of late in the last few years, has been essentially shitposting. You know, right. I'll do the weekly roundup for like weird and, you know, the around the world martial arts stuff, you know, but every once in a while, I'll grab a serious story or if there's a funny celebrity fight out there, uh, you know, some clip goes viral and there's something tangentially related to MMA. But I've actually like I've done actual journalism as well. I investigated some of the uh, problems that were going on with an organization out of Asia called One Championship. You might have mm. seen them advertising on Amazon Prime. They hold these shows in Asia. A sensational array of fighters, but there's always a lot of controversy at the core of how they're financing things, how they're treating fighters, etc. But I bring that up to illustrate something. That's a wide berth that, that I'm putting out there. You don't you have people out there that don't necessarily like I never went to journalism school and the work we did right. on that had more journalistic rigor than some stories that we're seeing to this day from like the New York Times, which, which shouldn't happen. Like if some, yeah. uh, if some <laughs> that's not good. It, no, like there's no reason that some some vagabond from Long Island who's now in Pennsylvania can simply just waltz on in, ask a bunch of questions have better follow-up and ask for actual documentation and evidence that we can use and to this day my reporting still stands but you have these people out here they hear a couple of rumors in the gym and they want to put on the hat like if i won't do it and i've actually done the thing you know it's it's weird but that that extends to everything else you've got matchmakers that have no business setting up fights people um hiring lawyers who have no business being anywhere near this uh the the level of amateurism is so widespread but a lot of people don't see it because what stands out in their mind is the upper echelons right the clips that make it to sports center and go right. viral every once in a while for looking good but other than that i mean you got a lot of people out there that should not be fighting because at any moment you just look at them you know their ticker's going to give out that's so interesting like it it, it it you know it reminds me a lot of how um i mean i guess like just from my own perspective um uh it reminds me a little bit of how uh like Gaming works too, where like you know you, you get a lot of people doing um, entry work, and some people are serious indie developers. Then other people are yeah. like, "Hey, I'm making this indie game based on NFTs," and it just you know it falls apart. <laughs> but also, I think like <laughs> I think more to the point, like it it it, it makes me think of um, professional wrestling and like and then the ways that um, you know even even to this day, I mean, obviously AEW and TNA are, are, are different uh, beasts uh, than than just like rank amateurism. There's like, those, those are serious companies. And of course, the ones in Japan and all. But like, you know, the fact that there is such a variety of operations to the, you know, from 
the like the, the you know the upper echelon to sort of like the indie scene and then below to like people who are clearly grifters. I mean, that just doesn't seem to happen in 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 other sports. Like you there's not you know, there's not grifter NFL or American well, football or or grifter baseball or whatever. Like when that happens, they, they close down so fast. It kind of makes your head spin. Well, that's because the grifters are the ones that run the show. That's a different scale. <laughs> you know, there like, you go. They're you, all grifters. Right? At, yeah. For example, like Jerry Richardson, who owned, I believe it was the Carolina Panthers at, the, at yes. the time. Crying broke for years. And this is where the old, like the OG Deadspin now defector crew. That's the, This is the kind of thing that helped radicalize me even further politically overall. Just looking at the way that the NFL closed ranks around itself at every opportunity because the only people running the scams are the ones there. And and rich people scams are a different thing because it's not Mm -hmm. a promoter. Like in professional wrestling, we've all heard the story of like, you know, getting paid in two beers and and, and a hot dog. You know, you go out to some VFW hall, you pay 10 bucks. Like, what kind of pro wrestling do you think you're going to see? It's not going to be the megastars that you're finding, you know, flying out of Japan or Germany or like, you know, this new sensation from Santa Monica that's getting a good look by WWE. Nah, it's it's going to probably be former football players with beer bellies hitting each <laughs> other with chairs in the weakest way. But it's like, you know, it's still entertainment. It's still fine. It's part of the ecosystem in a way, but it's not high level. And I don't think there's anything that has in combat sports like a higher level of discrepancy because not even boxing I don't even think boxing is done in as low rent the conditions anymore that MMA does or you know pro wrestling not necessarily being a sport still being spectacle the cost cutting there is unbelievable too. Oh yeah, I mean, like I've I've seen I you know like I've I've been lucky enough to see some interesting interesting uh, indie stuff just like and I'm not a big pro wrestling guy. I have, I have friends who are though, and so like they took me to some shows and and I was lucky enough to see some pretty interesting indie indie wrestling uh, in in low rent places. But like also you know I, I went to see pro wrestling at a at a flea market and I gotta tell you <laughs> not impressive like you know, not not what you'd want to see. But the potential uh, the potential even if it's in a flea market or like some like back lot of a Toyota dealership or something those can surprisingly be fun even if not high level there's something different there you know yeah that's not yeah, yeah. it is something different it's like I, I i find it hard to like sort of pin down because like i feel like there is there's something really interesting about about that to me and then there's something really terrifying about if it was if it was mma and i think like i think like and and you could you you should correct me here because i think i'm i think i'm thinking about it wrong but like it is because for me the 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 wrestling is ultimately a choreographed sort of dance right like it's not no one's actually trying to like murder each other at least like in most of these like super indie shows you don't get like you know uh uh razors matches or whatever like that it's yeah. not like you know barbed wire matches or whatever this isn't like the, that's not really the point of of like a thing in a flea market they can't they can't pull that off they don't have the medical uh insurance to manage that uh but with MMA, it feels like if if you do like a backyard MMA, you could get someone paralyzed pretty fast, it, oh, like God, it, yeah. faster, right? So like, I, I guess like what, 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 like how does how does that backyard MMA still have the sort of like appeal without just being like utterly terrifying? That's that's a that, I don't think there's any really good happy answer for that. I mean, the equivalent that we have now are some of the shows that you see run on certain Native American reservations because they're able to flout mm. a lot of safety regulations. And now, oh, interesting. Now you're not overseen specifically by the State Athletic Commission. Uh, things get a lot murkier there. There was this, um, I think they're still around, this, this um, company called the Gladiator Challenge. 
And you see a lot of guys go out there and they rack up a 10 and 0 record and now they're ready to fight in Strike Force or Bellator or, you know, like one of the larger organizations that isn't UFC or even in the UFC itself. And then you realize, hey, that's an impressive record this guy's got. Let me see who he fought. And then it's like, okay, so you racked up an undefeated record fighting guys that have three wins and 12 losses on average. What's going on here? Why is this a thing? But you're bolstering your nice, bright and shiny, undefeated record. So there's ways to bullshit your way through. Um, it's like how Homer fought uh, fought Frederick Tatum. Yeah, in you a just, way, right? Yeah, <laughs> like he just he just fight a bunch of guys at a bar and beat them. It, it, yeah, he just he he tanked his way through it, but he won them. So say what you yeah. will, those those hobos had it coming. Uh, th- this, <laughs> but this is like this is a very there's one. Um, this this uh, this lady, uh, Ilima Leigh McFarlane, she's an amazing talent out of California. She fought for Gladiator Challenges. She fought this woman named Katie Castro, who I think only had like three other fights, but th- none of them were wins, and she never really trained at any gym. She was just this lady who'd show up and get paid to fight. And so this woman went out there and like an actual pro athlete trained fighter and beat the brakes out of the, I believe they called her the soccer mom or the Walmart mom or whatever. And (laughs) it went viral. And then McFarlane gets signed by Bellator, which is the number two organization. People are like, I don't know that that's a good idea. Like she just, she just did like you mentioned, right? The the Tatum versus Simpson thing. But McFarlane, unfortunately for everyone else, for all the haters, and fortunately for her was genuinely skilled and became champion in that organ. Like is still recognized as being a good talent, but it's not a good look when you start out fighting somebody who wasn't even a part-time fighter, not even a hobbyist. It's probably somebody that racked up some casino debt five miles down the road and they offered her some money to, yo, man, listen, you want to be in the fights? Oh, I love watching them. No, no, no. Do you want to be in the fight? (laughs) That's a different story. It looks like you need a little money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It reminds, like, then, you know, I think think to sort of kind of double back on what I was saying and, like, you know, kind of point to the, the correction there, like, it is interesting because all of these sports, like even the ones I'm sort of saying aren't violent, like, like, you know, for God's sake, the NFL, extremely violent, <laughs> like, yeah. just like the, the most violent and then hurts people all the time. But like you, it, the way you're describing the kind of like the way amateurism bleeds into professionalism and can energize both at the same time. You know, it's interesting. I, of course, like a big um, uh, Eagles fan, hard not to be um, around this area. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I the the Eagles left tackle Jordan Mailata, uh for you know people who are listening to a video game podcast and haven't been listening to what you do this <laughs> podcast. I feel like I feel like I'm just repeating like what everyone's already heard, but I'm different audiences. Um, was a, an Australian rules rugby player, and the Eagles just drafted him because they were like, this guy is very big. Um, you can't teach size, as as they say in the I, in the NBA. I guess that's all he needed. <laughs> it was, yeah. And so like he he trained for you know five or four. I guess it was like three years. Basically, he didn't play a snap uh, of like a real game for at least two years. And then in his third year, I think he was like a backup and like you know didn't do a lot. But then when he was ready to go, he he's been a, he's been a force. And like it, I think like that is a story everyone loves. Like yeah. people are more interested in Aussie leagues, Aussie rules, uh, uh, rugby. People are more, you know, I'm sure people in Aussie league, Aussie rules, rugby are more interested in watching my play. Uh, same thing with like, you know, the NPB and in, in, in baseball, like, you know, uh, people will, you know, whatever team signs, uh, Shohei Otani is going to get like a ton of like, oh uh, interest from, you know, everyone in Japan, it's, uh, baseball fans in Japan are going to like 
absolutely go nuts for that they're team gonna now. be printing yen at that stadium for real that's correct exactly exactly and like yeah i i, I guess that's really interesting because maybe maybe the analogy that that sort of ties into gaming i like i'm glad we ended up just talking about combat sports so far because like it is it is like I keep my brain keeps trying to like draw these connections, right? Like, is it about the development of games? Is it about the playing of games? Is it a streaming thing? Like, I honestly think it's probably as as sort of basic as it sounds. It's probably like professional gaming. It's probably like esports is is the best analogy where like you can be really good at uh, Call of Duty, but you are not as good at Call of Duty as the people who are making money playing Call of Duty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like anything else, it's just you look at it and you're like. I wish I was making that person's money, um, and I think I'm good enough at it. Uh, and sometimes you are, but it's 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 the very rare sort of like you know Charlie and the Chocolate Factory golden ticket scenario that gets you there, like like the the woman at Bellator you were talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, again, it also depends on what your body can can use what it's been doing before like you mentioned you know Aussie leagues rugby and all that like the current UFC featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky he used to be a rugby player now he's, oh interesting he's five foot six and he was like close to 300 pounds he's like 285 290 and his face now his body now is incredibly different because he fights at 145 pounds now naturally granted you only have to weigh that for the about an hour or so that you're preparing for the weigh-ins obviously this is to keep things uh, you know within a certain category Category of size and weight. That's that's kind of why that structure is there. Well, so, this is like this is like gaining and losing weight in, uh, yes. in uh, wrestling, in yes. high school wrestling, like, yeah. exactly, or in boxing, right? So the same principle applies. You're only he only weighs 145 for that bit. Usually he walks around at like I don't know 170. But the okay. point is, he's five foot six. He's about that size. He's almost he weighs almost half of what he did before he even got into fighting. And it's amazing how now he could be possibly the greatest of all time. You know, the one of the uh, greater icons you say although he was a soccer player but his athletic abilities translated well because of his timing his footwork and his ability to sort of calculate space and, and distance uh making everything work with his timing and made him one of the most feared strikers despite coming from a grappling base when he started fighting because he started training jiu-jitsu i believe and then he just sort of branched out so uh you, you oh, never really know how that works although um when it comes to basketball players, obviously, again, they make the worst ones. You'll have some. You'll have some guys that come over from football. They don't tend to do too great uh, overall. But it's it's you never really know how that works. And to apply that in, in the element of gaming, I mean, you know, yeah. Look, I'll sit here and play. Uh, you know. I'll sit here and play Sekiro all day long, right? But there's not too many Soulsborne games that I'm going to be good at. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's a reason for that. I might be able to apply some of that, like I've done recently with Lies of P, but that's still a different thing, you know. So that's really that's really interesting because I I wonder how much. That's really interesting. It, it seems to me like, yeah, I wonder I wonder how much of gaming, right? Like how much of playing? Because like I, I was about to say like, well, you can learn anything. Like you can learn to be good at a Soulsborne game if you can play Sekiro. But Sekiro is a different different beast. I, right. I completely it's, agree. Yeah. I think you could still be good at a Soulsborne game if you if you gave it enough time. But that's me saying that. And then in my brain, I'm like, well, you could never me personally, I could never be competitive at a uh, in a um, uh, a first person shooter. Like I could never play, I, I could never do call of duty or, uh, or, um, you know, counter strike or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it just would, it would, it would, it would never work for me. It would be a disaster. Well, watching and, those, watching those Korean guys playing uh, Starcraft. Oh my God. Yeah. I could, I like, I like RTSs. I'm not good like that. 
Like that just that blows my mind. Um, and, and, you know, like there there is a sort of like know thyself kind of moment. But there's also that that feeling of like because I feel like you're very I'll, I'll say this just, you know, having known you from, from Twitter, but <laughs> you feel like a, like a very like sort of mature and thoughtful guy in that you could look at that and say like, yeah, you know, I could do that and I can play Lies of P and that's fun. But like, it's not something I'm ever going to be great at, as opposed to people who end up being like the, you know, the best baseball player, the best fighter in their town. Right. And think like, well, then I must be able to be the best fighter in the world. Um, and it's just it's a dead end. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I I see where you're going with that. And and it does sort of create a greater ramification of questions, you know, like now you've got all these other things attached to that. Like, well, what am I good at? Should I pursue another avenue or maybe try to um, convert this into something similar? You know, where do we go from here? That kind of mindset might be uh, what results from it. But I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, if you're someone who has the aspiration to be a pro gamer, you know, if it's, you know, talking about younger kids, obviously, because I think it's a little too late for a lot of us. That, it's yeah. We our, our reflexes are shot. I, <laughs> but I mean, like mine are still pretty good, but not good enough to be like, here, here's an example, right? Mortal Kombat one. I've enjoyed watching a lot of the, the new Mortal ways, Kombat. Yes. You yes. yes yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a really, um, fascinated by watching how people are able to string all this stuff together same for street fighter 6 but let me tell you something i played the demo for street fighter 6 not my speed anymore man mm, it's a different mm. thing it's all the zoning and the way the timing works is different and you have to have all these considerations that i just you know like i'll play it for fun but i'm not going to go out and buy it it's just not it, i feel like yeah. now this has evolved to a point where I've sort of been left behind. And I've made peace with that fact. I love Tekken. But the moment I get online, man, you know, like, I'm still, <laughs> I can still hold my own. Don't get me wrong. The old dog still got it for a lot of this shit. But I see some of the stuff that these pros are doing. And it's like, yeah, man, that's, these guys are, they, they got a different, you know, job slash mortgage slash parenting situation than I do, clearly. Because no, there's no way I can spend enough time in the lab to pull off these intricate 45 hit combos these guys are doing. Yeah, no, it's true. And like, I, I guess like one of the, one of the most basic things that I've always taken from, uh, I mean, the fighting game scene is an, an amazing example of this where like, I think like the, it, unlike a lot of sports communities is like endlessly positive, which is so weird. Yeah. Uh, but you'd, like, you'd never think that would be the case, right? No, not, not, not in something that's so competitive. Yeah, exactly. You expect it to be far more cutthroat, but I, I mean, I, I, I genuinely embrace that. I wish that you know more. And I'm sorry to 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 do this with break out the um, the the stereotypes while we're trying to be nice here. But if they would only have that same embrace of deodorant, these conventions wouldn't be what they are now. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right, and like I think, you know, one of the things that comes out of that positivity in the fighting game scene is that like. And it is something that is not there in in say like first person competitive first person shooters. Is that like it's okay if you're just there to have fun. Like yeah. it's okay if you're not good enough to like compete and you're like you're competing because that's fun to you. Yeah. And you like playing against people who are better than you. And like you know maybe you'll maybe you'll win a couple of matches, but you know that you're not going to get to like the top ten. Right. Like that's perfectly acceptable and good as opposed to being like you know a waste of time. Um, and I mean, that that kind of like, I don't know, it loops back kind of full circle to what we were talking about with amateurism to begin with, and particularly like how kids manage am amateurism, right? Like I'm not, I'm not putting my kid in karate. I imagine like 
you know, you wouldn't put your kids in karate for, or jujitsu or judo or anything because you're thinking like, well, they're going to be, you know, a champion. Oh, God, like, no. Yeah, like my, my daughter saw they had kata in the 2020 Olympics and was like, oh, if they put that back, I could win a gold medal. And like, yeah, OK, like I'm not going to. I'm not going to burst her bubble. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it is in all fairness, it is too early to tell. So you, you, it's, she it's, could. it's nice. Yeah. Like it's nice to think, you know what? It would be a cool thing. That would be neat. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it is a purely a, that would be neat. Like I'm not, no one, no one in their right mind is, is putting their kid. And there are people who are not in the right mind to do, but there's no one in the right mind. who's putting their kid there. Or like she does rock climbing. I'm not putting her there because like, I want her to, get a sponsorship when she's 18 or something like that. Like that's, that's not where my head's at. My head's at, I want her to have fun and learn some skills. And, and some of those skills are going to be based on like the actual, you know, martial art. And some of them are going to be based on what the martial art teaches you about, about like yourself and discipline and focus and, and, and repetition and practice and stuff like that. Um, And like, I think, you know, one of the mistakes that, I've definitely made before this conversation thinking about MMA and combat sports is that it always is leading toward any of the like the major things like you know, hoping hoping Dana White notices you or hoping hoping that like you make it to Bellator or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that that just probably is not reasonable. It's probably not the case. Well, and and here's the other thing, right? Because there is such an easy way to get into MMA. It's just you know how do you stand out. That that gets a little trickier, but you know what? You could realistically, maybe five, ten years ago, say, you know what? I'm going to train and I'm going to make it to some big event. You'll see guys do that. They'll rack up a questionable record and then they'll flame out super quick. You know, a lot of the times that sort of sorts itself. You know, you're not going to reach the level of having championship aspirations and being top ranked kind of, you know, being in that category. Um so in some ways, there is kind of a course correction. You do have some guys that get some weird wins. You know, they get super lucky twice in a row, and then suddenly, oh, you're fighting a top five guy. And then, you know, like the, you, their ceiling, They not only do they hit the ceiling, the ceiling hits back, I like to say. And it hits <laughs> them pretty fucking hard on the way down. I really but, like that, actually. That's... But, I mean, like, it's true. You see a lot of these cats are like, yeah, okay, he won, but that was kind of fluky. Oh, that happened again. Interesting. And then it's like, yep. There's the one. There's there's his. He, he paid the ticket. He took the ride. It's over. Um, but <laughs> well, it's like it's like the Tim Tebow experience, right? Where like he was winning and winning and winning in the NFL, and people were like, I don't know if this is going to keep going unless he actually is like chosen by a higher power to well, you know win <laughs> football somehow. Funny enough, I remember asking one of my friends who's like um, he's obsessed with football, has been mm-hmm. since birth, and he was telling me like, yo, Tebow. He's not bad, but he was he had the very, very good fortune of ending up in a system in Denver where the way he plays complements the way that the system is structured very, very well. So it was a great fit. That's not to say that he didn't get there based on any talent or ability. It's just that now when you put him somewhere else, maybe he's not quite as versatile. Maybe he doesn't have certain elements to make him more complete for what's needed for that particular position in this day and time. We see that happen in fighting, right? You'll see the guy who, there was this dude named Cody McKenzie from Alaska. He was not built like a professional athlete. He was very clearly all about drinking beer and smoking weed, and he couldn't do 10 push-ups. But he had, <laughs> he had a modification of a front headlock choke, of a guillotine choke. 
he called the McKenzie team, and he was really fucking good at it. And he makes it to the UFC. He shouldn't be winning fights, and suddenly he's unstoppable because dudes keep trying to take him down. He oh, gets him so in funny. that front headlock, and the way he set up his grip was so vicious. It's like, no, good God, please get this man the fuck off of me. So you know, obviously, when he met <laughs> when he met uh, you know like a top a genuine top talent, Chad Mendez, who nailed him in the liver with one punch, it was like, yeah, okay, you know. It, it was nice seeing you, but you knew at some point you were going to top out. And and that's kind of where that happens. I, I'm pretty sure that even Cody didn't think, I'm going to be champion. Let me just make some more beer money. That was kind yeah. of what his thing was was re- fairly openly about when it came to pro fighting. But um, when it comes to pro gaming, I mean, I don't know that you can really... Yeah, I guess you could probably do that if, you, if you're into fighting games and you're okay with getting you know, into smaller tournaments, making a couple hundred, couple thousand bucks. But... Is that going to take you to Evo? I I don't really know, and I think it's really important that we kind of, you know, I I got I got nephews, you know, I got my son. It's I, I let them know early, you know. Listen, work your ass off, have fun. Don't put too much stress on yourself. Sometimes, you know, certain yeah. things you you might need to relax in order to absorb things better. It's just because if you start thinking too big, you're not you're not focusing at the task at hand. Uh, that's exactly right. Yeah, and it's like it is. You know, I feel like one of the one of the real corollaries between like the UFC and 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 esports is that esports at the highest uh, the FGC feels different. Like fighting game competition feels different because the sponsors are smaller. The prize the pri- the, the prizes are much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get up to CS:GO, Modern Warfare, StarCraft, to like uh, all these like. League of Legends, um, you know, like the the serious competitions. I guess I guess the Overwatch League, even like these are people making a lot of money, and they're making a lot of money at like young ages, and it, you know, it, you get these sort of like extremely big deal sponsors and everything. It it appears like the you know you either are doing it for nothing or you are the top 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 person, and like I, I feel like. That's an environment that offers a lot of little um, cracks for exploitation to fall through, if that makes sense. Yeah, because essentially you're leaving these people to gamble on themselves. I'm not making any money now. I'm sleeping on, you know, dingy gym floors because I can't afford rent. You know, I'm I'm cleaning the gym in order to pay for my 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 training. You know, they're going to take 10 percent off of my, you know, my manager and training fee later. But good God, this dream's going to pay off, man. It's going to happen because I have that skill. I can make it. Why not me? And, you know, man, sometimes it pays off, but a lot of the time there's so many dudes that get caught, as you mentioned, in those cracks. And they don't really ever come out until they decide to just do something else. And it's unfortunate how many people end up doing that. Well, and, you, you know, you pointed out, like, it's it's really good, like, I mean, it's a parenting podcast, but if it were... Uh, I think this wouldn't be that much different. Uh, you know, like it, there's, there's, it's, it's a really good parenting move to like say, you know, like relax sometimes, like chill out sometimes. Cause like if you're, I think about like being in a band, right? Like I mentioned that earlier. I, one of the most fun things I ever did was being in a band. I loved it. I loved, I loved performing. I loved all of that. And like, I think, you know, we always wanted, you know, the, the idea was like, oh, it would be so cool if we could make a demo and get signed or whatever. I don't think any of us really understood how to do that. And none of us pressed it too far. Like we, you know, we did shows and we, we loved playing shows. I think like the, the main thing was like, we just loved being able to find a show we could play. And it, it felt good that way, even though, you know, it would have been great if we could have done it as our living or whatever. 
we still were able to like enjoy it in the moment. And I, I think like being able to enjoy something for what it is while you're doing it, as opposed to thinking about it as like a persistent stepping stone. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I think, I think the, you know, there's, there's a danger in thinking like I'll only be happy when I get to the top. Like, that's my goal. That's the only thing I could do. That's my ambition. As opposed to sort of seeing every step as something, something valuable. Yeah. You're not enjoying the journey at that point. Yeah. And once that happens, it's it that can carry a lot of resentment and, and pain oh, yeah. over in ways that don't come out in the healthiest way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. So I want to I want to end this talking with you about something less heavy. Have you been gaming recently? Oh, buddy, have I ever? Why don't you, okay, okay. So, what do you what have you been gaming on? What have you been gaming on? You know, man, I've actually had a surprising amount of free time in the last few months. That's it, allowed me to, you know, kind of dive into what we were, you know, what, what we really brought us together. Um, last time we spoke, the thing I was playing the most was Titanfall Two. Oh yeah, yeah. You were you were, and I, the other day you were playing TF Two. And I'm now. I've I've just gotten so so into it lately. Again, I just fell into this comfort spot with it on the uh, Frontier Defense, which is cooperative. And just racking up more than anybody else and, and, and ending at the top of the leaderboard was never something I was concerned with before. Now I'm just I'm just realizing how much I'm lapping these motherfuckers. It's crazy. This game has been around for this long. And it's like I dropped it that for rocks. a while. I picked it back up. I got deep into Sekiro two years in a row was my most played game. And now it's I'm, I'm back into this. And um, I started uh, Rift Apart, the new Ratchet and Clank. Uh, which someone described Beautiful as... Beautiful game. I can't remember what reviewer it was. I think it was from Kotaku or Polygon. Somebody said something about how it's basically as close as you're going to get to playing a Pixar movie. <laughs> and that may not sound great to a lot of people, but trust me when I tell you I concur, and I mean that in the best way. It's so much fun, although it does have some unexpected difficulty spikes. Oh, uh, yeah. Other than that, I got Tears of the Kingdom for my birthday in July. Um... I've been playing that on and off. Uh, I'm a, I'm an on and off Zelda guy too. There'll be there'll be times where I get like totally, absolutely obsessed with it, and then there'll be times I just I, I it's like okay I, I need to put this down for a little bit. It's it's too much. Yeah, and the thing with that is that what makes it weirder than tears than Breath of the Wild is that there are some I, I can't remember the last time I played a first party Nintendo game that had difficulty spikes to the degree I was like, you know what, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> Like, what are you doing? This boss fight is not like, let's be real. Like, I'll take it fine. But why are you doing this to me? Yeah, like, exactly. This is not this is not what you're I just feel like for a game that's so well made and for back to back bangers in the Zelda series and, and, and the way that they've restructured and reformatted this open world thing, climb anywhere, do a lot more than than what we've given you in the past. You You have all this going on, but it's such a jarring change of tone and pace. It, it's like those older games that we complain about, like when they throw a needless stealth section into a game. Like you've sure. you've given me the tools and the environmental training for all of this here, and now you want to take all that away for something different. Okay, it's a gamble, but do you realize that what you're asking me to do now is vastly different from what we've been doing this whole time? And I feel like some of the boss fights are a little like that. They're 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 just okay. They're just a little, uh, you know, guys, you, you didn't really prep me for what you're expecting me to do here. And as a developer, 
You know, a, you don't, I don't need breadcrumbs for everything, but shit, give me something here, man. Well, I think like, I think what's so interesting too, is you're like, you're, you're a serious gamer in that you like, and kind of uh, gave us your bona fides and that you're like really good at TF2. Um, I am interested. Are you, are you playing Apex at all? No. Okay. No. okay. They, they took out the robots and they did the battle Royale thing. And I'm, I just I reasonable. They're two, they're two very different games. Um, I will say it does, it does feel a lot. It feels like the best battle Royale I've ever played. I've never, I don't play a lot of it, but like when I have played it, it does feel good. I do like Titanfall two better though. Right. Um, but you know, you're, you're a serious gamer. You're like a, like a competitive first person shooter guy. Uh, it's not like you're saying, oh, this is too hard for me. I, I never play video games and Zelda is, is, isn't easy. I mean, that that really is like a fair critique if you're like, this difficulty spike isn't earned. Yeah, I mean, it, you do that in Sekiro. I'm thinking, well, OK, this team has clearly done things in a way where maybe I need to reevaluate, hang back, do something else and then come back later. Mm hmm. Tears of the Kingdom, it's just, it feels like there's a little more going on here that isn't that. And I don't know, really, I can't put my finger on what that is. But then here's that, right? Like, I'm not super into, like, I play and beat the toughest games, but Sekiro just had a chokehold on me. And I, you know, like, I got into that. I finished it. I finished Ninja Gaiden Black ages ago. Um, I'm, not yeah. a, I'm not immune to things being difficult but there's I feel like you need to get into rhythm games. I feel like that's that's maybe your next your next thing cuz uh, like if you're you're talking about you're talking about Sekiro, Sekiro's essentially just a rhythm game like timing and I, I don't know. I think I think maybe you're a secret rhythm gamer. I've tried them in the past. I I think the the closest to anything I really enjoyed was Patapon and I didn't really oh, okay. I didn't really like it that much either. I mean it was cool okay. for a few minutes. But Interesting. I, listen, my son's really into rhythm games now. You got that uh, Samba de Amigo demo. And oh, that's beautiful. Now I got Pitbull ringing through the fucking house. I, it's, no, it's not beautiful. I don't that's want no, that. You, know, you didn't tell me it was Pitbull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my, my kids listen to the most annoying stuff. I like I put on my 2022 mix, like, you know, Spotify makes those things, and I put on mine, and... Um, It'll it'll be like it'll be stuff. I'm like, oh, I love. I remember listening. Like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, this thing again. Yeah, I was totally listening to that this year. And then like the one thing that'll come up is like, I like to move it by Crazy Frog. I'm like, well, ah, you come know, on, man. Like, well, tell you what, my son really got into Cuphead over the summer, and he got into the uh, soundtrack, the fan made soundtracks. I don't know. If oh, you've okay. Heard those, where, I like, have they, not. They play the music from the game, but they have these guys like writing songs with lyrics over them. And oh. There's one like this weird rap thing. It it kind of goes hard, man. It really. They did I a good job. mad at it. They did an all right job, and they had they got the shit on Spotify. I don't remember the names of the people that did it, but like okay. some of the stuff was actually pretty dope. I mean, the Cuphead soundtrack was dynamite. Yeah, it was very. It's I mean, it's a strong foundation. If you're gonna lay something on top of something, yeah. I mean, like I mean, basically, those are just killer beats already. Yeah, it's it's if you mess that up, like there there's a serious like that's sacrilege. You you should not be untalented and aspiring to that. But that was that. It's it, you know, yeah. Kids do listen to. Oh God, it should qualify as sonic crimes, but but sometimes they'll surprise you, and that gives you a bit of hope. They will. Yeah. My. I mean, I I don't know if I've told this story, but the uh the, my daughter uh did did pull a, a really good prank on me it was the one time i i sort of like had to admit she got me really good was uh she she ended up she was just clicking through stuff basically like she was like oh yeah like you know i'm, I'm it's, it's this it's this like she'd find things on spotify to annoy me basically oh, and uh and the one thing she found was this like military music i was like what is this well i look and she's putting on german military music and it's like 
German songs from 1939 to 1945. I was like, Dilly, no, like, stop it. And she's like, oh, what did I do? And so now she, now she knows if she really wants to, like, if she has to get one on me, she can bring that up and I'll be like, don't do that. Like, we don't listen to that kind of music. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, kids, kids are smart, smarter they, than you think. They really are. But it's in the funniest thing. The best thing is when they find out that they have a sense of humor, when they find out like, oh, no, 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 he does find this funny, you know, and they, they come to you with with a certain thing that either they know is going to push your buttons or they know is going to make you laugh. That's that's a different thing. man. That's like a really uh, that's when, you know, they start getting dangerous. Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. Um well, uh, any final thoughts? Any, I, I, this was this was not how I expected this one to go. Not that, and I say that in the most positive way. Like I, I really enjoyed kind of kind of thinking through this issue with you. This is this was really fun for me. This was the most Socratic kind of like, you know, and I, I you know, I think we're both smarter than these guys. But uh, you know, Plato and Socrates sort of talking back and forth <laughs> thing. Um, so you know, I think I think that's good. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. It's like uh, it's definitely helped me. Uh, I hope it's been good for you too, because like, it helped me think about combat sports. Oh, um, come on, my don't pleasure, wanna be, man. Look, don't want to be selfish, but any, yeah, it's great. any any chance to get to talk to you is always a good time. Oh, I just, I'm more than happy to do this. Absolutely, that's I just, so nice. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm glad we didn't get too I didn't get too mad thinking about like I uh, just saw this like. Um, a couple of hours ago, before I, I before I fell back asleep, uh, smart. Yeah, it God, was. I'll, I'll there, it was more the more about um, Microsoft's plans for AI and gaming. I'm so tired. Oh. I mean, we just got away from the NFT thing barely. Like, what are we doing? Oh, I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta love the Take Two guy saying like, oh, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna um, we're going to have to. Uh, charge people by the hour they play games it's like okay great uh, this is this is just wonderful yeah i i you gotta wonder who decided to put make that public i don't uh, hopefully not him although ceos are notoriously not the smartest nope so maybe yep. uh but vic where can people find your work yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm writing and podcasting over at bloodyelbow.com. We have a Bloody Elbow substack for the bigger pieces, the um, sort of more hardline journalistic stuff, the sat, the, the saucier uh, insider items. Uh, we have our podcast there, too, um, our little podcast network. I'm on every Wednesday at The Level Change, which is our Excellent. Wednesday show. Uh, pop up on other ones here and there too and other than that um, on Instagram if you like looking at food and my beautiful handsome ass I'm over there at Victor Sinister Rodriguez <laughs> so yeah man by all means I'm easy to talk to I'll answer any question go on it it's true you're one of the easier people to talk to so yeah don't don't feel like don't feel like you uh, you have to be scared to reach out um, well Vic thank you so much we'll have you back on uh, sooner ne- sooner next time this was uh, this was a treat my pleasure brother talk to you soon Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.